Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. Our text for today comes from Deuteronomy chapter 29, and we're going to read verses 10 through 15, and then 18 through 20. Deuteronomy 29 verses 10 through 15 and 18 through 20 and the message Bible reads this way. You are all standing here today in the presence of God, your God, the heads of your tribes, your leaders, your officials, all Israel, your babies, your wives, the resident foreigners in your camps who fetch your firewood and water, ready to cross over, ready to cross over, ready to cross over, ready to cross over into the solemnly sworn covenant that God, your God is making with you today. The covenant that this day confirms that you are God's people and that God is God, your God. Just as God promised you and your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I'm not making this covenant and its oath with you alone. I am making it with you who are standing here today in the presence of God, our God, yes, but also those who are not here today. Verse 18, don't let your guard down lest even now today someone, man or woman, clan or tribe gets sidetracked from God, our God, and gets involved with the no gods of the nations. Lest some poisonous weeds sprout and spread among you. A person who hears the words of the covenant oath but exempts himself thinking, I'll live just the way I please, thank you, and ends up ruining life for everybody. God won't let him or her off the hook. Deuteronomy 30, verses 19 through 20. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. I place before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life so that you and your children will live. Choose life so that you and your children will live. Choose life. Choose life, choose life so that you and your children will live. God of life, God of our forefathers and foremothers, God of the present and God of what's to come. We stand before you a people who need to be in covenant with you. We stand before you today a people who are broken. We stand before you a people who don't always choose life. God help us today 
be with us today. We won't walk out of here the same today. We love you, God. And we are so grateful. It is in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Forty years. Forty years. Moses walked with the people of Israel, taking them through some of the most traumatic experiences of their lives. They had had a tyrant leader in Egypt and they escaped. They saw the Red Seas parted. They saw plagues. They walked across seas that parted into dry land and then swallowed up their enemies. It says for 40 years they were in the wilderness and their sandals never got worn provision. Manna came from the sky and they were never without food provision. For 40 years, Moses walked with the Israelites. And in this moment, in this text for today, he is standing there with them, giving them a farewell speech. Because even though he had walked with them for 40 years, he wasn't going to get to enter the promised land with them. I don't know if you've ever built or cultivated something and just when it got to the pinnacle of success, just when it got on the brink of something, you had to let somebody else come in and complete your dream. The thing that God promised you would do was now somebody else's to do. And I wonder as Moses sat and gave this farewell speech, if he could see the promised land in his peripheral, so close to the land, but not going to be able to step foot in it. How bittersweet that must have been to be glad that They were going to get to enter into the land, but to know that you were going to have to watch it from afar. Maybe he was hoping that God would change God's mind. But so many times Moses had gone and prayed on behalf of them and God had provided and changed God's mind. Perhaps maybe God would show up for me in this moment. And I wonder if in that moment, Moses had in his head the moment where he forfeited his own promise. Numbers 
chapter 20, verses 9 through 12, recounts a time where the Israelites were in the wilderness of Kadesh. And they were complaining because they had no water. And if you know anything about the Israelites, they were always complaining about something. Why did you bring us out of slavery where there were figs and we were building houses without straws? Why did you bring us here out here to die? We are thirsty. There is nothing for us to drink. There is nothing for our cattle to drink. So Moses and Aaron went to the tent of meeting and they fell at the entrance of the tent of the meeting and God came and God said, Moses, take your staff, go to the people, speak to the rock and water will come out. So Moses got up, took his staff, went to the people, said to the people, do you want me to bring water from this rock? Of course, the people are thirsty, so they said yes. Moses hits the rock twice with the staff, and water comes out. And then God says to Moses, because you didn't trust me to show the people my holiness, you and Aaron will not enter into the promised land. And for some of us, this moment may not seem like it lacks faith. I mean, it takes a lot of faith to believe that water is going to come out of a rock. If God told me right now to go speak to a rock and water would come out, I might be a little skeptical. And so it may look like Moses operated on faith to do anything with the rock at all. But it was the opposite. What Moses chose to do was the opposite of faith. Because this is the same Moses who had seen a burning bush. And God's voice come out of the burning bush. The same Moses that had taken that same staff on multiple occasions and saw it turn into a snake and then turn it back into a staff. The same Moses that had seen 10 plagues on the people of Egypt who had parted a sea. He was in a battle with the Amalekites that and every time he rose his hands with the staff, the people would prevail. And when he lowered his hands, the people would lose. And he had to hold his hands up the whole battle and people had to hold up his hands so that they could be victorious. So water out of a rock? Not really a big deal. But do you know what all of those events that I just mentioned had in common? Moses' staff. Moses' staff. That staff, that rod, meant a lot to Moses. It had been with him all his life because before he got called to a bush, he was a shepherd. And as a shepherd, when God called him, what did he have in his hand? A staff. And when God called him over to the burning bush and Moses needed proof that he was really going to do the things that God had said he would do, God said, what is that in your hand? So the staff had been with Moses. It was familiar to him. Every major act that Moses had done was with the staff. When he caused the 10 plagues, God said, use the staff. When he parted the Red Sea, he used the staff. When he went into battle, he raised the staff. Every time God commanded him to use the staff until God didn't. 
And in this moment in Numbers, God told him, I don't want you to use the staff. I want you to use your voice. And what would make Moses, after seeing all that God had done, make the decision that even though God told him to speak to the rock, that he would hit the rock? One word, complacency. Complacency. See, complacency is when you have an unwarranted self-satisfaction. And it's not only just having a self-satisfaction with one's achievements or where you are, but it also is accompanied by not being knowledgeable of the dangers and deficiencies that you have. Some of you maybe think there's nothing wrong with being satisfied. And that's because oftentimes we interchange being satisfied with being content. See, satisfaction comes at the end of a thing. Satisfied is when you have nothing else to do. I have done all that I can do. I am at the end of this thing. I am satisfied. It means to be happy and done. But when you're content, you're happy and laboring. It means that you are gracious and you are in gratitude for where you are in your situation, but that there is more for you to do. So when you say that you are satisfied, you are saying there's nothing more that needs to be done. I don't have any more growing to do. I don't have any more learning to do. There's nothing more that I need to do. Complacency looks like, you ever heard people who say, I've arrived. Mama, I made it. Complacency. If you've ever said, there's nothing more I need to do, there's nothing more for me to learn. Complacency. If you have ever said, we're doing all right just the way we are. Complacency. We've always done it this way. Complacency. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Complacency. Why try something new? Complacency. I can't. I won't. Complacency. And the, the danger of complacency is that it leads us to stagnation. And when we're stagnant, we're no longer growing or moving or evolving. But there's a, see, we're just saying about something moving, something changing, right? But the problem is that oftentimes God wants to move and change, and we don't want to move and change with God. Because what if God wants to do something different than God had done before? What if you're used to utilizing your gifts in this way, and God says, I want you to do a new thing. I want you to walk in a new way. And your fear, your desire to say that things are, God, our relationship, we're good, God. I'm getting up. I'm praying. We're good. That when God wants us to step out of our comfort zone to do something different, we don't want to do that. Moses, take your staff and command the rock. Complacency looks like hitting the rock with the staff instead. And if you can imagine for a minute the discomfort Moses may have felt when God told him to speak, because this is the same Moses that at the beginning of his journey, when God called him, he said, I am not a man eloquent of speech. And so God said, all right, all right, well, I'm going to give you Aaron who will speak for you. 
And then he was like, but what if you call me and the people don't believe me? All right, all right, all right. Well, I'm going to give you this rod or this staff so that you can use it to prove that I am that I am. And that's the thing, because God called Moses at 80. Your years on this earth don't preclude you from being a victim to your insecurities. So even now, after walking with God all this time and doing all of these miraculous things, when God tells him to speak, after all these years you've been walking and walking with God, when God tells you to speak, you rather hit the rock instead, and it becomes a crutch. Some of us have crutches in our lives literally, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, metaphorically. See, because the staff was supposed to be a sign of God's power. But I think at some point, perhaps Moses interchanged it with God and began to think that the power was actually in the staff. And so that if he wasn't utilizing the staff, that nothing would happen, even when the directives were coming from God. And surely as the leader, if he believed that, then surely that had transferred to the people, which is why God said, take the staff with you, but speak to the rock, because I want everybody to know, you included Moses, that the power is not in this thing. Some of us have our own staffs in our lives, and it's the power is not in that thing that you possess, that you have. That's not where the power is. And staffs are comforting, right? Even Psalms 23, we talk about the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not run. Thy ride and thou staff, that it shall comfort me. Right? There's something comforting about a staff. But that assumes that the staff is an extension of God and not a replacement of God. And I wonder if God wanted him to speak to the rock instead of hitting the rock because after all these years, Moses still had a shepherd's mentality. But they were about to go into a promised land with new blessings, a land flowing with milk and honey, new giants, and God had to be like, Moses, you are not a shepherd anymore. You are a leader. You are a warrior. God wanted to give Moses a new name, but Moses still wanted to be a shepherd because it was comfortable. There are new names that God is trying to give us but they're not comfortable. And so we rather stay with our staff in the place of comfort. And even though we say something's moving or changing, we don't want to be the thing that's moving or changing. We don't want to be the thing. God, move my situation. God, move the people in my life. Move the haters in my life. Move this in my life. But when God says, you move, you're like, see, that's not what I even was talking about. Even the movement, we should have been something's moving. We should have been doing an answer, but we were all over here moving the water, girl, move. We were doing it all out here when some of us needed to be doing the moving and the changing and doing those, the, the choreography over our own selves. Because when God wants to enlarge our territory, 
God wants to sometimes use new tactics. I understand that we say things like, oh, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Maybe the essence of God, but the ways of God are not the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so there are different ways that God wants to do things in us. And if we aren't careful, we will forfeit the promises because we want God to do the same old thing. What's your staff? What is the thing that you are holding on to? What is the thing that God is trying to get you to release and let go of, but you are holding on to it for dear life, not even recognizing that you don't even need it anymore? When Harriet Tubman freed slaves, she said, I could have freed so many more. But they didn't know. They didn't know or didn't want to know or didn't want to leave. Because the thought of the freedom was scary. We see it here, Israelites, they get out, but they're complaining, why? Why did you, why did you take us out of this place? Some of us kicking and screaming out of situations, we get out of the situation and then we're like, why? But I love her, but I love him. And God closes the door and you like, So here Moses is, with all that, standing before the people, telling them to not be a cautionary tale. Because the Israelites had a propensity for being complacent. When they got around new situations and other people and they were worshiping other gods and they thought that they didn't need God anymore, they began to get complacent. And that's why it even says here in verse, verse 18, a person who hears the words of the covenant oath but exempts himself thinking, I'll live just the way I please, thank you, and ends up ruining life for everybody. Because we'll hear the good parts, the blessings. We don't ever want to hear about the curses. We want to hear about the, the good things that God's going to do, but we never want to really have the consequences for the things that we're doing and the choices that we are making. And so here Moses is warning the people to not be complacent. Here I am warning you to not get complacent, to not get so comfortable and where you are, that you don't think there's anything else to learn, any other ways that we have to grow, anything else that we need to do. And so how do we begin to curb complacency in our own lives? I want to give you four C's today to help with that. Not color, carrot, clarity, no. The first C is covenant. Covenant, because Moses standing here is reminding him of the covenant that they made with God. 
And the covenant means that God made some promises to the people. But there were some things that the people also had to do. It was like a legally binding contract. They were in covenant. And when you are in covenant with someone, whether it be a marriage, a relationship, it means that there's some things that you are responsible for and some things that the other person is responsible for. And covenant was very, very important to God. Very important to God. Because God understood that without covenant, people get complacent. But when we understand that we are in covenant with God, we understand then that we are in a reciprocal relationship. We can't just be asking God to do things in our life and we're not willing to shift or do anything. And it also means that we have to be willing to grow and evolve and change. Anybody married in the building? Ooh. We need some more singles events in here. I don't even know if that was like 1% of the people who raised their hand. We're we going to have to start praying some different prayers. Oh, man. Oh. And, and then if I ask how many people want to be married, it might not be that many of you. So, it, you know, but. <laughs> oh. But when, you're, when you get married, who you are in the first year of your marriage who is not who you are in a fifth year of marriage. Or in the tenth, you wake up and you're like, well, who are you? Who am I? Right? Because relationships grow and evolve. And so when you are in relationship or covenant with God, it means that you are committed to the growing and the evolving, even when it's uncomfortable, even when you don't like it. And not just the other person growing, but your ability to grow and evolve. So the first way that you curb complacency is by being in covenant with God. But it says not just with God. Everybody who was in the room was in covenant with one another. And furthermore, everybody who wasn't in the room was in covenant. God was speaking to the people who were present, but also the generations that followed. Because the choices and decisions that we make affect those who come after us. The things you choose or choose not to do right now affect everyone who comes after. We've all heard of things like generational curses, right? That things get passed down and you don't understand. You're like, oh, and then I found out my, mo my mother did this and my grandmother and my great mother. But there's also something like generational blessings, Legacy. You don't just have to pass down the bad stuff. You can make a choice to pass down some good stuff for those who are coming after you. Because it's bigger than us. And the covenant also wasn't just for people that you knew. Because Moses makes it a point to say that it's also with the resident foreigners in your camp who fetch your firewood and your water. The resident foreigners in your camp, they were called aliens back in that time. Maybe we would call them immigrants today. People who don't look like us may believe differently than us. When we are in here, FCBC is in a covenant 
relationship with God, and it extends to every single person in the room. Covenant with God, covenant with people you know, covenant with people that you don't know. And the second C, and the way that you stay in covenant is through commitment. Commitment goes hand in hand with covenant because a commitment is something that you make, a pledge that you make that's not just for now, but when you commit to something, you're committing to it for now and for the future. And commitment is not based on how you feel. It is a low level of maturity to only do things based on whether you feel like it or not. Because sometimes the things that feel good aren't good for us. And the things that don't feel good are the best things for us. And let me just insert a little, a little side note while we're here talking about feelings. Feelings are not fact. Feelings are not fact. Just because you feel something, you are entitled to how you feel, that is real for you. And your experience is valid. It doesn't make it true. There's a difference between reality and truth, okay? So we need to stop always treating people based on how we feel and making what we feel truth because feelings are amalgamation of our experiences, whether it's sunny outside, who stepped on our toe on the train, our feelings are fickle. And so we can't make those facts because there is a difference. So we have covenant, we have commitment, then we have consistency. That is doing the same thing over and over and over the same way over time. And this is something I am still working on, being consistent. But consistency is how you build trust in a person. Because when people are inconsistent, you don't know what you're going to get. You don't know how to read them. You don't know what's going on. So consistency is a key to um, success and growth. You know, over the past week with the passing of Kobe Bryant, there's been a lot of specials on and articles that have been um, out. And I came across an article that talked about Kobe's pre-game shooting routine. And he did the same thing on his on days and off days for the entire duration of his career. And oftentimes, people thought he was just coming to the game and showing up and playing because he had been at the court hours before everybody else had shown up. And in, in um, one of the articles, he said, I figured out at an early age that even if I showed them what it is that I do, they wouldn't do it just because it's so boring and so much repetition that it takes a long time to do. Because consistency is often the boring and the repetitious things that you do over and over that build success. And we don't wanna do those things. But had a Kobe Bryant been complacent we may not know him the way that we know him. If we, we choose to be complacent, we are putting our legacy in danger because we, all, we don't want to do the boring and the mundane things, but the boring and mundane things make up life. Every day you got to get up. Every day you got to put on clothes on, I hope, and, 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 and get, to the things, get to the things of life. 
So we have covenant, commitment, consistency, and then the final C is choice. Choice. Because the text says, I place before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life. It's all about choice. Every day we are faced and bombarded with choices. And they really only fall into two categories. Is it life-giving or is it death-giving? Some of you need to stop praying to God about certain things because you can easily categorize the thing that you're praying for. Is it life-giving or is it death-giving? I don't really need to go to God about this. Some of us just rather choose death. But things fall into two categories. And you give power to whatever you continue to choose. Whether it's life or death, whatever you continue to choose over and over again, that consistency in that choosing is what comes to you. Our brain, there's something called a reticular formation. And that is um, how our brain function is governed. And one of the functions of uh, reticular formation is habituation. And it's where our brain learns to ignore repetitive, meaningless stimuli, but stay sensitive to other stimuli. It's why we can live in New York City and sleep through ambulances and sirens and all those things because we've learned to ignore it. But if I hear my child cry, I'm sensitive to that and I'm going to give up, get, get up, right? In the same way, we train our brain what to be sensitive to, whether it's life or death. That is why they say things like being in a state of gratitude literally can change your brain because you are constantly focusing on the positive things. You are constantly bringing, you're constantly choosing life so that the negative and death become stimuli that your brain no longer responds to. And so we can, the more we choose life, it's like unconscious bias, the more life begins to come to us. The more we choose life, the more God can set some things in the atmosphere. But the more we choose life, the more we see it. You ever decide when you start getting yourself together or you finally make a decision about something and then it seems like things just start coming? Because you're ready for it. You're not teetering. It says you're not being lukewarm, you're being hot or cold. And so if we continue to focus on the negative things, if we choose to continue picking death, then more of that's going to come. And we already have the answer. Choose life. So that not only you can live, but so that your descendants can live. And does that mean we're going to do that 100% of the time? No. But we do our best. In this first Sunday of Black History Month, we're here because some people chose life. Chose to make some decisions. Because they understood that even if it was something that they would never see, something that they would never experience, that they had to keep fighting for it, you don't get to be complacent. Not and not, not be here because we say that creation is waiting. Creation is waiting for each and every one of you so you don't get to be complacent. You don't get to stay the same. You can't sit and say the purpose statement because I know someone was like, oh, she didn't even say the purpose statement. I know because I follow my directives. I take my directives from God and God said, go to the sermon, right? But 
We say we're ever evolving. How do you say you're ever evolving and be complacent? How can you say you're a visionary or a dreamer or a doer and be complacent? You can't. So each and every one of us has an opportunity today to reaffirm our covenant. Because that's where it starts. With our trust in God. Because if you have true trust in God, then if God tells you to go speak to a rock, you're going to do it. If God says, pack up your bags and leave because I'm taking you to a new place, you're going to do it. And you're not going to go and get confirmation from 35 people. You're not going to verify whether they heard the word from the Lord too. You're going to get still enough to trust the God that is in you. But you get that through relationship with God. And it is a fight. When you're in real relationship with God, that thing is, you'll be like, God, listen. I know some of y'all think it's disrespectful to talk to God in certain ways, but I, I, I don't know how authentic your relationship with God is then. Because my God is big enough to handle my anger. God gave me anger. God, how God created me with all these emotions and then I can't ever feel the emotions. It doesn't make any sense. So yes, when you're fighting, like you fight for a real relationship, like you fight for a marriage, like you fight for a friendship, like you fight for your family, covenant. And some of us have been teetering in our covenant with God. We in and we out based on how we feel, based on whether life is going the way that we want. So I want to give you the opportunity in, in front of the crowd to choose life today. So if you can stand to your feet all over the building, if you are able, and as I make this call, this isn't just for you because it's bigger than you. This is for your children, your sister's children, your brother. If you don't like children, it's for somebody else. It is for whatever legacy God is putting in you because there are still people that you are, whether you have children or not, there are people that God has placed that you were supposed to make a difference in their lives. That their life is connected to what you do. If you are a teacher dealing with children and people every day, you are part of their legacy. What you do matters. And so your covenant and your commitment to your relationship with God is not just about you. And if you can admit that it's been a little difficult, but you want to choose life today, then I'm asking you to come down to the front. And I promise you, you probably won't be the only one. But if you are, Good for you for having the courage. Good for you 
for caring more about your well-being than what people think about you. Because the reality is that everybody's in here just trying to get it together. Nobody's really probably thinking about it anyway. They're trying to decide if they're going to come down or not. And this is how good God is. When you continue to read Deuteronomy and what Moses is saying, God fully knows that the people were going to turn again. That they were going to turn their face and become complacent. But God said that at any moment, if they came back to me, that I would welcome them with open arms. Because God truly never leaves you nor forsakes you. Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute. If you've been blessed by what you heard, Support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward to you tuning back in in the future.